Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. This is a path for lovers. The question, though, often is how does one become a lover? And how do you know whether you're in that state or you're in uh, some other state? Well, self-love is the love that most of us know. Uh, the egocentric self and its total involvement with the self and the constant attempt to uh, raise up and satisfy the desires of the self. But to be a lover is not so much about your interaction with yourself. It's about your interaction with others. How you see others, how you approach others, how you deal with others, what your attitude is towards the other. The point being that the other needs to become no different than the self. And the attitude needs to become uh, the same as the self. And in order to, to do this, we need to understand a little bit about how we view other people, how we see others, our reaction to others, and the kind of attitudes we have towards other people. It's said that one bad quality can hide a thousand good qualities. It's also said that one good quality can hide a thousand bad qualities. Now, the point is that most people in the world today are a combination of qualities, good and bad. Uh, out in the yard, we have some grasses. Some are green and some are what they call variegated. They have uh, multiple colors. They have stripes of yellow and stripes of green running through them. The people in the world today are like that. They're variegated. They're a combination of uh, good and bad. The question is, what is it that we see? Do we see the good? Do we see the positive? Do we see the bad? The next question is, do we comment on it? especially with others? Do we talk about people? Do we spend an excessive amount of time talking about the bad qualities? Have we taken a snapshot of somebody while they're in the midst of uh, an inappropriate comment or an inappropriate quality, and have we categorized them within that snapshot? Now, when I was talking about attitudes, towards ourself, we believe, for the most part, in free will. In other words, if we go through a series of time when our actions are inappropriate and we recognize it, we think, well, we'll change. We certainly have the opportunity to change. We're given the opportunity to change. 
But we should notice our speech patterns when we begin to describe others and we talk about their bad qualities. We've given up on free will for others. For others, we believe in predestination. We believe this is who they are, this is who they're destined to be, and this is their destiny and their fate, and we've spotted it. All of a sudden, this ability for change, this ability for free will that we grant to ourselves, never mind who God grants it to, we don't grant to other people. We don't grant it the same way that we grant it to ourselves. So when we think about what's going on when we are interacting with other people, what is our attitude towards other people? What is the way that we see that? And how do we categorize them differently than we categorize ourselves? And this is one of the supreme ways that we get involved with other people and don't even realize what we're doing because we don't see others as we see ourselves. We don't give unto others the same kind of uh, breaks, attitudes, understandings that we give ourselves. We give ourselves the possibility to change. We don't give others the possibility to change. We give ourselves the free will to alter the way things are going on. We don't give to others the free will to alter what they're going on. When Bawa was with us, he looked at everybody with love and he looked at everybody as the possibility of what they could become. How do we look at other people? Do we try to put them in a niche or do we look at them as the possibility of what they become? You see, if you're going to be a lover, you have to love the progress that people are going to make. You have to love the fact that they can blossom and you have to give them in your heart that opportunity because when you cut that opportunity off for others you've cut off your ability to be a lover and you're no longer one of those who loves you're one of those who are self-involved who wants things to be the way they perceive them at the moment, who doesn't see the possibility of change, all of a sudden, the qualities that envelop love are not the qualities that you carry around. You become something else, something other. Now, the other that you see is the other that you become. You've separated love from yourself by being unable to love others. You separate love from yourself by separating the possibility of growth in others. And unless we realize that about ourselves, and unless we realize that in order to love, we have to forgive the things that we see that we think are inappropriate 
because judgment is not within our realm to begin with. So until we take that kind of an attitude, we are defining who we are, no matter what we think we are, no matter what the outside act we put on as to who we are is. It's very easy for each of us to very, have a very high concept of ourselves. Our lower self will constantly whisper into our ear, you are a high concept individual. <laughs> It'll do that. <laughs> It'll do that on a regular basis. It'll constantly tell you that you are <clears throat> in the realm of those who do what's appropriate. That same whisperer, however, doesn't whisper that about other people to you. Because he maintains that feeling in you through comparing you to others, to comparing how appropriate you are compared to others. And then it goes into this constant level of comparing things. And you then begin to live in the world of comparisons. And you should know that the world of comparisons goes into the world of praise and blame. And then that becomes the world that you enter into. So if the whispering that comes to you that tells you you're good is based on the whispering that comes to you that tells you others are bad, then again, you've defined yourself as one who is not a lover. Our own actions bring us to where we are as a being. And we have to understand what it is that upholds the nature of a true human being. What are the principles that guide that nature? What are the attitudes that guide that nature? What are the interactions that a person like that has with others? Is he a help or is he a hindrance? Who are we? When, when we look at a great teacher, what is it that we see? We see how they interact with others. We see what they do with others. We see their personal style. We see their personal qualities as they're displayed in public. If you watch closely, you see the interaction with what happens when people come to them. I just heard, uh, I knew this, but I just heard a story related about uh, Bawa being very ill. And uh, a couple who hadn't seen him in a long time came to see him. And he had been down uh, uh, in his bed without talking for quite a while. Somebody whispered to him that these people had just come in and the, the lights were out in his room and things were very, very quiet. He said, turn the lights on and bring them up. And when they came in, he had revived himself. And he was incredibly gracious to them and he told them how much he loved them and how much good it was to see them and remembered to the minutest detail what had gone on in their lives over the past while when he hadn't seen them. 
Someone asked him after the people left, how did you do that? And he said, you could all do that if you relieve yourself of self-motive. If you're able to cleanse yourself of the need for your own praise. If you're able to cleanse yourself of the need to get something out of a relationship with somebody else. If you can become one who gives, then you can become like me. So, we've seen it. We've seen how it happens. Do we do it? What is it that holds us up? Are we held up by the negativity towards others? Are we held up through the criticism of others? Are we held up because others aren't as good as us? Or are we held up by the qualities that belong to God, the qualities that belong to Allah? Are we held up by love, mercy, compassion, truthfulness, not seeing differences? Is that what the support of our own internal system is? What is the support of our internal system? What makes us run? What is that which touches us at our core and pushes our buttons? Is it mercy or is it judgment? Is it disdain or is it compassion? Who are we really? Are we lovers? Or are we disdainers? Do we walk around looking at others as if, boy, one day they might be like me? Or do we really understand that everyone, no matter what their state, has the possibility for advancement? And do we give others absolutely the same kind of breaks that we give ourselves? Do we, do we pass out forgiveness to others the way we give it to ourselves? Do we coddle the idea of the growth of others the same as we do to ourselves? Do we believe in the divinity of others in the same way as we believe in the divinity that resides within ourselves? How much into unity are we? Or how much is it just a facade that we use and words that we've learned to repeat so that we can stay within the milieu of the believers? To be a true believer, one needs to be a lover. And if one can't love, all of the prayers and all of the outward things that we do can't bring us to the state of a true human being. They can bring, they can bring us to one who does uh, uh, recitations. We can be in the state of a reciter, but can we be in the state of a lover? Can we bring ourselves to the state where we really profoundly understand unity and find truth and happiness and joy within that unity? 
or does our joy come from the world of praise and blame? Until we take stock of ourselves in that way, until we begin to understand how we function and why we function in that way, we're not going to know the truth about ourselves. And we have to become the ones who judge ourselves. The judgment that we so easily throw out at others, we have to with difficulty throw at ourselves. It's hard to see our own blind spots. It's very easy to see everybody else's. One of our prayers should be, God, make it as easy for me to see my blind spots as I see everybody else's. If we were able to do that, we would have an entirely different view of ourselves, but we're hidden from ourselves. We're hidden from ourselves because we don't want to see certain things. Hear squeamish about certain, squeamish about certain things. That when they come on the TV, or if you see something, you turn. You close your eyes. Little kids put their fingers in their ears when they hear something they don't want to hear and start making noises. Na 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 na. We do the same thing when we see parts of ourselves that we don't want to look at. We turn and look away, or we go, na, 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 and we start making noises. We have to face the reality of ourselves. How else are we possibly going to change? If we can't see that which stops us from changing, how are we going to change? So we need to be able to look, and we need to have the courage to be able to see the things that make us squeamish about ourselves because we have to go through the pain of understanding what we've done to others. We have to go through the pain of understanding all of the things that we have parceled out in the name of uplifting ourselves. We have to understand the power trips that we've been on, the control that we've needed to have at the cost of others. And when we begin to do that analysis, when we begin to know ourselves more about those things, we're going to become closer to the truth, closer to reality. May Allah help each of us understand these things. May Allah help us look deeply at ourselves so that we begin the true reason for knowing ourselves, which is to know our Lord. Amin, amin, ya rabbil alamin. As-salamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.